Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we adore you and we are um, just in awe of you this morning, Lord. Uh, thank you for not leaving us alone, but for pouring out your very spirit upon us. May every man, woman, and child in this room and throughout this building right now uh, just have a greater sense of your presence and your blessing and your love upon them. Um, open our hearts now, Lord, that we might hear from you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Sorry, this is really overwhelming for me. <laughs> it's so good to see all of you, but uh, this, is, this is incredible. Uh, praise the Lord. So this last week, uh, I was at a talk given, um, it was hosted by Anselm House, which I think I talked about Anselm House again last week, so I, I guess, um, Andrew, I'm on the Anselm House bandwagon right now. Um, so uh, this talk was given by one of my former uh, seminary professors. Her name is Gisela Kreglinger. She's a German theologian. Uh, she grew up on a, a vineyard, and it's her passion to um, talk about spirituality of wine, of all things. Uh, and she gave a, a brilliant talk this last week entitled Technology, Agriculture, and Wine. Like, how cool is that, right? So at one point, she was talking about the Garden of Eden and all the varieties of fruit that would have existed there. The Bible tells us that every kind of seed could be found in the Garden of Eden. And she speculated about how many varieties of grapes would have existed in the Garden of Eden. Eden itself means pleasure or joy, as some of you name your children, Eden. And um, like I said, uh, the garden is described as having every kind of seed on the planet. So imagine the abundance of variety that would have been available at the fingertips of Adam and Eve there in the garden. So I'm curious, how many different kinds of wine do you think you would be able to uh, title, that you'd be able to come up with? You know, there's like Cabernet, Merlot, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. And then I kind of run out myself. So maybe you, maybe you can go on from there. Did you know, and I, and I looked this up on Wikipedia this morning, and if it's on Wikipedia, that means it's true, uh, but did you know that there are over 150, or nearly 850 different varieties of grapes? And that means that all of those different kinds of grapes would be able to produce a different kind of wine, a different um, flavor, or different levels of bitterness, or sweetness, or strength to them. Um, you know, and so when we go to the grocery store, we're not seeing the full gamut of what the Lord's good creation has to offer. And good wine is supposed to evoke good things from us. Uh, we're, we're supposed to respond more than just, oh, I like that. Like a good wine will elevate you, and I don't mean just because of its alcohol content. I mean by its taste and its flavor. A good wine should stir awe and wonder among you. Uh, you should be left thinking, how is it that dirt and climate and seed can come together to form something as sophisticated and profound and complex and beautiful as this? Now, put a pin in that. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. So today is Pentecost. Today, theologians uh, throughout the, the generations have referred to today as the birthday of the church. After Jesus' resurrection, uh, he appeared to more than 500 men and women, uh, revealing himself, doing, uh, uh, te teaching them, doing uh, miracles. 
And then he ascended up into heaven, which we celebrated last week, and he told his disciples, now wait in Jerusalem. Wait here, because you are soon to be clothed with power from on high. So wait in Jerusalem. And Pentecost is that moment. Pentecost is that moment in which the Spirit of Jesus comes and descends and empowers and fills the church. They then are able to go out and do miraculous signs to heal people, to to, um, welcome them into the household of God. So Jesus sends out his church to tell the world about the forgiveness of sins and the good news that the kingdom of God is here. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians today, uh, that passage that we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here the Apostle Paul is describing what a spirit-filled church looks like, what a Jesus-led, God-empowered community looks like. Now, if you're here today and you don't call yourself a Christian, uh, first of all, I am glad you're here. Uh, especially on a day like this, that you're able to um, embrace our controlled chaos of a day like today. So thank you for being here. You you have uh, special courage for being here on a day like this. Um, But I also realize that there are a lot of bad examples uh, here in America of of the church. Uh, It's not hard to open up the newspaper uh, or Facebook and just see bad stories of what's going on in the church today. But when we look at this passage, this shows us what we aspire to be like in the church. This is what a healthy, God-infused church looks like. This is what we hope to be like. This is what the Bible says about the church. So here we see that God loves diversity. God loves abundance. God loves variety. God loves joy. God loves excitement. Just as he did in the Garden of Eden, God is giving his people a complex array of gifts and of blessing. These are gifts of abundance. These are gifts of diversity. These are gifts that are supposed to evoke awe and wonder from us. You see, we ourselves, like a variety of grapes, you could say, (laughs) are meant to demonstrate the beauty and the richness and the joy of God. So we have a lot going on today in today's uh, service, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet, which is a shame because there's so much great content in this passage. I would love to walk through each one of the gifts that are are listed here today, but we would be here all day long on that. So maybe that'll be a a sermon series uh, that we can um, uh, dive into later. But there are a few things I want to focus on here, particularly with the first um, opening three verses. So let's dive into that. So we see here in verse 4, that God, through his Holy Spirit, gives the church a variety of gifts. Now that word gifts in the Greek is charisma or charis, which is uh, another name that we give to our children sometimes. And the idea here is that the individual believer is receiving a personal free gift from God. In fact, if we were to skip down to verse 11, we would see that the Spirit apportions to each one individually as he or as he wills that means that each one of you have an individual god chosen gift have you ever thought about that and it's it's not the same as the person sitting next to you each person receives something individually apportioned to them it's your personal possession and when it's understood lightly when it's embraced when it's exercised it's meant to bring you joy 
And it's also meant for the, benefit, for the benefit and the service of the church at large. So my point here is that God has something for you to enjoy here and now. Well, secondly, in verse 5, we see that uh, through the Lord, uh, there are varieties of service. Now, one of the most fundamental ways in which Christians are meant to relate to one another is as servants. We are meant to serve one another. In Greek, that word is uh, diakonai, or deacon. And in the Anglican church, the deacon is one of the three um, ordained offices of ministry. The deacon is meant to be a servant of Christ and the church. And in the Bible, we see men and women who are deacons, and they are called to stand as a bridge between the church and between the world. The deacon reminds the church of those who are often forgotten and marginalized by society. And then the deacon reminds the poor and the needy about the fellowship and the love that they have access to through the church. So in the same way in which the Bible talks about the priesthood of all believers, uh, which is a fun passage, I think here it's fair to say that the Apostle Paul is talking about the deaconhood or the diaconate of all believers. I think that we are called to love and serve one another. Here in community, we learn about the needs of one another, and then we quickly take action to address those needs. This is most clearly seen in the person of Jesus Christ himself, who humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. So thirdly, we see in verse 6 that God empowers a variety of activities. Now, this is more than just programs or ministries. Uh, In fact, I would say that that's a, a poor interpretation of this passage. No, what this is talking about here is a variety or a a tenacity, a boldness of energy. This is the lifeblood of the community. What Paul is stressing here is the real power and the real authority of the church to actually transform lives. The church is where faith is rekindled, where hope is restored, where sin is conquered and dealt with, and where love reigns over all. What God, or what the Bible is talking about here is that the gospel actually works, that lives can be transformed. So these three things, uh, verses four, five, and six, did you notice the, the sort of the Trinitarian shape to them? Maybe that jumped out to you, but we see that in verse four there, it's the, the Spirit who pours out his gifts. We see that it's the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, who inspires service. And then we see that it's God the Father who empowers our ministry. I love that Trinitarian shape on it, so um, maybe our preacher for next week can touch on that a little bit when it's Trinity Sunday. So one of the um, beautiful and ancient ways that the Trinity is often portrayed in Christian artwork is as a dance. Uh, In fact, I know of one church that celebrates Trinity Sunday by doing a barn dance. Um, I don't know if that's our vibe so much, (laughs) but maybe, I don't know, we're not opposed to that. Um, but, but a dance. So the Trinity is portrayed as an eternal dance, an eternal love relationship of joy and of excitement and movement and activity. And what we see here in this passage is that through God's abundant gifting and activity, we are called into this exciting fellowship with God. We are called into the ministry of God, the activity of God, the love of God. So how does one enter into this community? What is, how do we enter into the community? This vibrant, energizing, abundant life with God. 
Well, the Bible tells us that it's through the waters of baptism. It's through the beautiful, refreshing, cleansing, purifying waters of baptism. Here at baptism, we reject those divisive, those, those um, devouring powers of evil. And then we put on, we accept the life of Christ. So Bishop N.T. Wright, he says that the church is where we learn how to be genuinely human. It's where we learn how to be genuinely human. And that begins in the waters of baptism. You see, here in the church, we don't celebrate a variety of gifts just for the sake of variety. No, that's a dead end. No, in baptism, we are united under the headship of Jesus Christ. He is the one who guides and directs the shape of our gifts and the calling and the direction of our ministry. Jesus is the one who walked in perfect accordance with the law. He is the one who perfectly loved God, and he is the one who perfectly loved others. And so when we are baptized into Christ, our sins are washed away, and we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Through Jesus Christ, God is creating a new humanity here on earth now. In Christ, we discern those gifts that he has given each one of us. We talk to one another about those gifts. We practice those gifts. And even as we prayed in our prayer circle uh, earlier, sometimes we make mistakes with those gifts. And in the love and forgiveness of our community, we're able to move on from that. But in Christ, we also serve one another. In Christ, we rely on God the Father as our source of all guidance and strength and peace and joy. And we are brought into this new humanity So in a few moments, we're gonna be welcoming some uh, into the household of God through the waters of baptism. But then also today is a special day because for the first time at Restoration, we're also going to be welcoming new members here into the church. And just as an aside, we are gonna do this again this fall and then again in the spring. So if you missed out or you have questions or whatever, um, this isn't your last chance. Uh, There's gonna be many, many more opportunities for that. But these are individuals who are gonna be committing themselves living out their Christian life here within the context of restoration within this local body. Now, my invitation to all of you this morning is to come and join the vineyard of the Lord. Come and join the vineyard of the Lord. Come and participate in it. Walk in it. Enjoy its fruit. Get to know its other fellow workers. Um, Get to know the hospitality of the vineyard and welcome others into it as well. Maybe for you what that looks like is being baptized which again, there'll be opportunities for that. Maybe what that looks like is committing yourself to this local congregation. Or maybe participating in the vineyard of the Lord is to renew your devotion to Jesus Christ this morning. So regardless of where you're at today, I pray that you would come to know the abundance and the variety and the excitement that the Lord God has for you. That through his forgiveness and grace, there is life and hope and joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.